Zed, last time you were here was right around the top of the market, actually, when we were talking about how and why selling could escalate. It seemed like you were ready for more downside. So what's the update here? Did we clear out that August froth of the big last Momo leg higher, or is it still lurking around in Peloton and Zoom? Yeah, no, I, th I think what's really interesting is, as you mentioned, uh, the run-up in the month of August was an interesting experience of stocks up but volatility also up. And we discussed the, the main driver of that were a lot of folks buying shorter dated calls and a lot of these momentum names that was elevating volatility even though the market was rising. Now, the last three weeks, we've seen the exact opposite of that. As the market's fallen, you know, S&P almost 10% here, we've actually seen implied volatility fall. Um, now, one thing I want to mention with that is I think most folks, when they think of volatility, they, they look at the VIX, and the VIX can often be quite misleading, mainly because VIX is effectively floating vol. And, and what I mean by that is majority of VIX pricing is based on at-the-money options. And most, most of the time, uh, especially in index, out-of-the-money puts are more expensive than out-of-the-money calls, meaning as the market falls, you're going to see VIX get elevated even if those specific options themselves are not increasing in price. And so a super simple example is on September 2nd, the VIX was 26 and live it's about 28 and a half, 29. So it would claim up small. But if you had the October uh, 3250 options, either call or puts where basically the market's currently trading, the vol on those has fallen from 29 to 24. So a pretty significant drop in those actual options. So that's why I say uh, stocks down, vol down uh, in pretty much all options. Now, there's three main reasons why this happened. One, a lot of that call buying has stopped. Uh, you know, it, People are buying those calls because it was working. It was working very, very well. And, and it's obviously not only stopped working for a day or so, it stopped working for almost three weeks now. So a lot of that has, has dissipated from the market, those significant call buyers mm. that were elevating vol in the first place. Along with that, we've seen a significant amount of hedge monetization. So folks that own puts to protect themselves from market drawdown, they've been selling those puts and then buying deeper out of the money puts. So they've been monetizing those hedges, not completely taking them off, but monetizing a significant amount of those hedges, once again, depressing volatility. And then finally, what you saw on Friday and this morning is the systematized vol sellers, because it was expiration on Friday, came back in to go ahead and sell all their monthly puts and calls like they do every single expiration. So there's a lot of events out there where they were depressing volatility, even though the market's both moving and moving lower. Hmm. Okay, so Zed, there's a lot of things in there on the vol side. And first of all, just kind of generally speaking, how much of this is kind of art and filling in the blanks and connecting dots from what you see in vol? And how much is it provable? I mean, how much of your assessment here is just kind of your own, hey, this is what I think because I see these dots. Maybe they don't go all the way connected, but I have to fill it in. I mean, you can see a lot of it open interest. Open interest of total options outstanding has, has fallen as the market has continued to fall, meaning there's just less activity in options and less mm. people holding on to options. And at the same time, your call it your put call ratio has drifted a little bit more towards, you know, more puts than calls out there, not substantially, but a combination of those two things, less options, period, and a little bit more puts to calls, nothing extreme, is kind of signaling, okay, the amount of call buyers out there has dissipated. There's less, you know, total options out there outstanding, and there's a, the ratio is drifting a little bit more towards the put side, once again, not excessive. So there's an example of, of something in there that's just actual numbers showing that the amount of call buying that we were seeing has definitely dissipated in comparison to where it was. 
was. Okay, so does that mean, to your point, that a trade that was a sure thing basically has stopped being so, and therefore there's not as much euphoria kind of lurking around? Is that a good thing for the market and that, hey, we cleaned off the froth? Or, and this gets back to the question we discussed last time, does it mean that potential for a downtrend can be established if those folks that were used to buying the dip suddenly see that selling the rally is actually the way to go? Yeah, so I, I think we've removed a market participant that was, you know, helping the market accelerate higher. So, you know, we can say that remove the froth, but it also removes something that was obviously benefiting the market and helping it go higher. Um, I also think at the same time, uh, a lot of folks that were participating in the market and using those shorter dated calls to get those extreme, you know, returns lost a, a, a lot of money over the last three days. It's, you know, there's the options can lead to significant gains, can also lead to significant losses quite quickly. And if those dollars and cents are just plain removed from the market because they lost a substantial amount of their earnings, that makes it difficult for that buy the dip participant to have uh, a lot of capital because they lost a lot of their money. <laughs> All right, so what are you looking for right now, uh, Zed? What then do we have to to go on if that kind of fraud that was building up was a red flag. That was the discussion we had last time. Indeed, the market has found room to the downside, as you told us to be ready for then as well. So what do we look for if that kind of frothy call buyer has stepped back from the market then? Is it just kind of like a no man's land situation uh, where we just see which way the fundamentals develop, which way the data comes in, the stimulus flows? Do we watch technicals? Is volatility still a tell? I think volatility is still a tell, but I think there's significant mispricing still in volatility that you can take advantage of. Uh, to me, one of the simplest one out there is election day risk pricing. So, you know, three, four weeks ago, there was a substantial amount of risk being priced in for election day, that specific day. But what's taken place over the last couple of weeks is that November volatility has fallen quite significantly, where the December and January volatility is kind of held in. And I think most folks would say, well, the reason for that is, you know, we thought we knew election day was going to provide a result. And now with all everything going on with mail-in voting, the you know confidence that we'll know who the winner is that specific day has decreased. Now, I, I personally believe this is incorrect, and I think you have the ability to take advantage of some too cheap volatility around specifically election day. And the reason for that is I, I would view the market has the highest risk associated with a democratic sweep. Now, most folks, I would say, uh, the mail-in ballots are going to be slighted more towards the Democratic and or Biden side of the election. So if on the day of election, uh, you know, it, it's signaling that the, the live vote is leaning Democratic or towards Biden, then that also probably means that they're, you know, you're pretty confident who the winner is going to be because as those ballots come in from the mail side of things, it's only going to reinforce that result meaning that the worst case scenario for markets is probably the only scenario that you'll know of day, the actual election day. So, you know, you don't really care about the whole distribution. You care about what is going to be known that specific day. And I think the only thing you're going to know for sure that specific day is most likely the worst case for markets. So once again, I think that's a completely incorrect change in pricing by the marketplace signaling, you know, because uh, it's, the confidence of knowing what the result on election day is diminishing, 
that the risk is being pushed out into January and December, where I think you should actually be taking advantage of this change in pricing and being and go ahead and, and, and put you know some positioning on in your portfolio to protect yourself mm. from election day itself because it's cheapened quite significantly. Okay, so you would, uh, you're arguing here that there's actually cheap ways to use volatility to protect around this period, despite what we hear a lot of folks point out, which is that elevated vol around the election. You're saying that even with that, there is still a way to protect just what an equity portfolio overall? Yeah, that's correct. It, it's changed quite significantly. There, once again, like two two ish weeks ago, there was uh, that election day had a, a significant priced in a, event uh, into the marketplace, but has completely been sucked out uh, over the last week or so. Uh, I think purely because people don't think that you're going to know the result day of, so that risk has been spread out through time. Uh, and once again, I, I think I think that's incorrect. I think you have a great opportunity right now to protect your portfolio from the election and using that specific election date. Okay. And then uh, one other thing, I'm just looking at your notes real quick. This is related, unrelated to uh, what an, an FX uh, trade that you see as well. Yeah, I, 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 FXI, I think is actually. Are oh, looking at China trade? Here, yeah, uh, uh, FXI, the implied volatility is significantly lower than the S and P 500. Mm. Uh, like you know, 25-ish percent lower than the S&P 500 in terms of the price and risk. Now, if you're nervous about the first debates coming up in, in a week or so, I would lean on uh, FXI to protect your portfolio rather than the S&P 500, uh, mainly because I believe most likely China is going to be a significant point of conversation in those debates. And it's much, much cheaper to protect your portfolio using FXI than the S&P 500. So seems like a confluence events of potential headline risk along with a much cheaper instrument to protect your portfolio.